I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wednesday podcast. Uh, do not adjust your sets. This is a new host, uh, different to who you normally used to hear it. Um, so apologies in advance, or maybe not. We'll see how this goes. But uh, I'm Jimmy Ray, and I'm joined by uh, Sunderland's own Mickey Loft to look back at a few playoff memories we've had from days gone by. How are you doing, Mickey? I'm good, mate. I'm still riding the crest of the wave off Monday. It's um, Thursday after that that we're recording, so God knows when this will go out. But um, I was just thinking there, like we've got the idiot cast and we've got the dark cast. So is this uh, the giddy positivity podcast? I think that should be the name that we uh, that we that should be our brand. Yeah, I'm happy to go with that if you are. I think uh, yeah, I think it sums us both up really, really well. It could also be the bad audio podcast as well because we both uh, both have had our first share of audio gaps over the years. So. Uh, yeah, a few different monikers for us to have. Um, first off, though, Monday night. Thoughts? Any good? Enjoy it? <laughs> yeah, we'll just um, go over this really quickly, otherwise we'll get told off by the dads for going on too much, which, again, we tend to do. But, no, I think um, Monday was just superb, wasn't it? It was just an embodiment of what Alex Neal's brought to the team and the squad, really. were. We all kind of thought we knew how it ended, didn't we, when they scored after 75 minutes and never really threatened. And then he had the kind of like balls of steel to leave things the same and we grew back into the game and we got our rewards. It was just a brilliant night. I mean, even though it wasn't the kind of the, the most stressful game ever, it was a lot less stressful, say, than the Portsmouth um, semi-final in 2019, just because it was the game was of such a magnitude. I think I went through six bottles of cellar in the first half of the game, <laughs> just because you, you don't just need something to do with your hands. I was an absolute wreck by the end of the game, both in terms of alcohol consumption and the nerves. But um, no, absolutely superb night. And I'm just absolutely gutted I wasn't down there, but looking forward to Wembley. Yeah, same for me. I think I think over the course of the two legs, um, we definitely deserve to win, possibly by more more than we actually did in the end. I mean, I think Wednesday, they, they, they weren't anything special. I didn't think Bath sort of the, the goal in the 10 minutes after that, where they did push us and the crowd got behind them a bit. But yeah, I think we did. We, we saw it out pretty comfortably, even when... They scored, like sort of, I think Matt mentioned this on Monday. There was that sort of thought in your back head. Well, it's an Alex Nielsen team now, so we're not gonna we're not gonna capitulate. We're gonna we're gonna slowly grow back into it, and, and that's what we did. So uh, so yeah, I think all, all in all, it's uh, it's exactly what you'd want. And um, roll on, roll on next Saturday, I guess. Um, so moving on to to Wembley, I think the um, the main point of this. Pod really has been to look back. Uh, first of all, uh, you briefly mentioned it there, the Czech trade final in 2019. So, uh, what are your main thought memories of that day, Mickey? What, what, what springs to mind when we say uh, Portsmouth in late March 2019? 
I think back then it was still quite League One was still quite a wholesome kind of pursuit. It wasn't four years of this like utter dirge that we've had. I think at the time we were still in a great position to get promoted. We were still, as you say, as I've just said, there riding high in the league, and it was just a really nice weekend out. And I think when you put it in this proper context. I think people forget that we basically had the two seasons, the Moyes relegation and the Grayson and Coleman relegation, where we'd essentially lost every week. And that's only a little bit of an exaggeration, every week for two seasons solid. Mm -hmm. So to have this kind of deal at Wembley, even though it was a competition that none of us would ever, ever want to participate in, and we were hoping at the time it was only going to be for one season, it just felt good to kind of have a nice time down in London. Obviously, the Trafalgar Square takeover as usual, like drank in some really nice pubs down there. And we had the wise men's event the night before um so that was all like really good it was just um going into the game i just remember being like really excited because although it would have been lovely to win i, I wasn't kind of thinking oh well if we lose this is going to break our season which perhaps was a bit naive but i think all in all that was a far more as i say like wholesome final of the two but yeah yeah i agree i mean i think like you say there the the sort of rubbish that we'd endured pretty much from the moment that the uh, the, the end of the Allardyce season to, to that to that point really um, had just been well rubbish and, and and yeah it was sort of at the time it seemed like maybe a way to sort of cap off what up to that point had been a, a really promising season um, the McGeady the McGeady free kick to sort of start it all off I mean I remember just going absolutely mental when that went in um, it was. Obviously, a great hit, for every, really good view of it from our end of the ground. And um, there's that famous video before kickoff of, of all of our end singing Wise Men Say, which gets the hairs going on the back of the neck every time. And I think the atmosphere and then the noise when that free kick hit the back of the net was somewhere else, wasn't it? Something definitely that I don't think a check trade final had seen before or we will probably ever see again. No, it was, as I say, it was, it was a brilliant weekend. And it's a bit of a difficult one for me because I don't get as gooey-eyed over this final as some people do. So every other week, seemingly, we get this um, montage of people posting their McGeady second goal and the limbs that followed it. I'm thinking, right, I could kind of understand that if we won the game, but it's like, why are we, <laughs> why are we getting... This shows you how little we've had a shout about. We're getting misty-eyed over a goal which forced penalties in a trophy we never want to be in, which we ultimately lost. And it's a little bit confusing in that regard, but I agree with you about the McGeady goal and what a lot of people... The first one, rather. And what a lot of people do forget is our first-half performance in that game was absolutely outstanding. We absolutely yeah. wiped the floor with them. And I remember like going like going for a period of time and just like bumping into a few of my mates and just saying, yeah, like, yeah, this is our day. We're going to do it. And we'll, But then second half, we just sat deeper and deeper and deeper. And then they inevitably scored. And it was just kind of like peak Jack Ross of the second half yeah, of that season, was, I guess. I was, was going to say, yeah, the, sort of st the, the approach to that second half, um, and obviously we'll talk more about the other Wembley final last season later, was very much sort of Jack Ross in America because of in terms of, Really, really promising at the start, but the, the way we just sort of lost confidence as the game and almost like invited Portsmouth to get back into the game and ultimately, obviously, go go ahead in extra time, didn't they? I think that was, in a way, we were lucky to even get it to extra time by the point at which the, the, the final whistle of the 90 went. Um, and I think also just with that game as well, the um, like you say, obviously, it, it can get a bit cloying at times looking back at videos of that, that goal, but... Um, we had had so few moments to celebrate. I think that uh, maybe by now we have got some new goals to maybe replace the Aidan McGeady goal in that montage. But up until you know this season, I think we re we really have struggled for, for those those absolute just like you know go mental moments. Um, and I think that was that was definitely one that stood out from that that year. Um, 
obviously we didn't win it and we didn't really care about that anyway. And it did sort of be the precursor to a really poor end to the season. Although we did win at Accrington a couple of days later, I do remember, which I went to was the rearranged rearranged game from when it got rained off, wasn't it? But Kaziah Sterling scored, which is probably the highlight of that. But uh, yeah. Oh, I, that, I love I love his career trajectory, man. It's absolutely great, isn't it? Now to now for some like third tier side in America after playing for Potter's Bar Town or something, it's mental. But that but that just goes to show where you had him on loan at the time. Obviously, he was fought, highly thought of at Tottenham, but DMA just goes to show kind of some of the players we've had like through the club. But um, to just kind of continue what you were talking about, though, about the knock-on effect it had, I think it was one which I didn't foresee because I remember thinking, well, it's not going to have that much of an effect because we're rotating the team so heavily in the checker trade games. But the problem was it was a, it was a fixture pile-up that it caused towards the end of the season. And like ultimately, you just think if you could have shaved a couple of them, mid- them midweekers off and we yeah. could have had a clear run. But anyway, that... Um, Ultimately, it did derail our season a little bit. It was a great weekend, but it, it's one of them. If we had we gone up and like won promotion that season, I think I'd look back on it with a great deal of fondness. But I think the trouble is, and obviously we'll discuss the Charlton game in a minute. But I feel them two games get lumped in together for the heartbreak and the fact it was captured for like the rest of the country to watch and then sing about for three years in the future. It's <laughs> it, it's just really like kind of. Like grim, and you just think, like Christ, even if we didn't get promoted, could we not have just had like that one moment in March where we just, as I say, like had a had a nice <laughs> just time? Give us something. Just yeah, give us something, yeah. And I think another sort of point which I've thought about a couple of times related to this is because it was, it kind of took the shine off the playoff final in a way. I think because um, obviously everyone had already been to Wembley just over a month before, so probably the 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 whole weekend, uh, you know, for the for the playoff final felt a little bit like well, we were just doing this sort of six weeks ago and now we're doing it again. I don't know if you felt the same, but it, it was complete complete little Wembley fatigue, I think. Yeah. It was I, I kinda mean, like kinda like when in the FA Cup where you play your semi final at Wembley and then you play your final at Wembley. It's kind of a similar type thing where yeah, it was it was like you say Wembley fatigue. I know um I think to be fair we can probably unless you've got anything further to add about Pompey we can kind of transition a little bit to talk about Charlton because I feel like that was a much more like significant of the games. Um but I think, for example, the Charlton playoff you talk about before like, the Trafalgar Square takeover and that, it all just felt to me a little bit kind of not forced, but you just thought yourself, as you say, like the, the Portsmouth game, I think was just a big celebration of the fact that we're, we're having a good season and we've got the Wembley, we've got something to shout about. But Charlton, I didn't go down to London for the weekend, which is maybe why you're looking from afar, but I just remember being an absolute bag of nerves, all kind of like weight building up to that game. Like, yeah. I, I, I just remember, like, and I just thought myself, even if I was down London, I don't think I could have had that, like, carefree, kind of, like, singing in the street attitude because the prize at stake was just so big and it was Charlton and everything that came with that. And I just remember it just being, like, a hor- even before the game, just being an absolutely horrible, horrible time. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, my, my memories of that weekend, I was, in, I was in London that weekend, but I was I was at a gig with my mates on the, on the night before the game, so I didn't do like any of the Trafalgar Square or Covent Garden stuff, really. I sort of arrived at Wembley pretty hung, pretty hungover and very nervous in time for the game. And I was just sort of like, yeah, it, it just felt really, really under pressure. And that, my main overriding memory, obviously, was the early own goal, which gave us the lead. It was almost, I was surprised, like, that we'd gone ahead. Um, and it was one of the classic examples of, oh, they possibly scored too soon, obviously, Looking, looking back, we did. But even at the time, it kind of felt weird because then we obviously had the injury. Was it Power who got subbed off injured yeah. as well? Shortly after that as well. And it just sort of felt like we were winning the game, but we didn't really feel like we were winning it. And the nerves, I think, were 
were very present in the in the side on the pitch as well as as well as in the stands. And the atmosphere was, was good, but it certainly wasn't um, subdued. Maybe as, yeah, it was it was subdued. And it was it was the nerves were definitely there to see, and they 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 um, sort of responded well, and they, they equalised before half time right in front of us as well, didn't they? And then that sort of set the tone. I, I feel anyway for, for I, the way I, the rest I, of the game went. I do think I want to kind of go back a little bit like chronologically on that. So I think my kind of journey through that playoff campaign was so weird because contrasted to what we've just had against Sheffield Wednesday where there was 45,000 fans, it was an incredible atmosphere. To be fair, the post-reform game was still a brilliant atmosphere, but 26,000 there and the club kind of didn't put any effort into promoting the game. It literally felt as though we bottled automatic promotion and that was the season. It felt like everyone had just kind of written it off and then we produced that performance, to be fair, against Portsmouth out of nowhere. And Maguire scored that great goal, and well, then that we was went. The, the first good performance we put in for over yeah. a month, if not longer, really, wasn't it? Because we, I mean, I know I, I certainly did uh, at the time. Sort of thought, well, we we probably going to lose this because we draw nil nil with them at home in the league a couple of weeks before, hadn't we? One one, one, but yeah, yeah. I'm oh, sorry, one one. one I do apologise. One one. <laughs> um, this is where your your uh, your your brain for numbers comes in ahead of mine. For the, uh, but yeah, the um the the draw there, I thought, you know. It, we, I had visions of, of sort of like maybe sort of losing one nil at home and then meekly bowing out away at Fratton Park. And obviously, we did put in that, that performance with a really good goal from Maguire, um, and and that was a surprise. Yeah, and then I think that the even though yeah we did put in a great resolute performance down there and they never really troubled us. And to be honest, it was kind of a it's how we've kind of got to approach them games away from home, everything on the line. But I still kind of remember, even though I was absolutely buzzing, and for a personal note for me, it was going to be a very special time because it was the first time out of all the times I've been to Wembley, I was going to get to go with my dad, so that was like a great feeling. But when I kind of stripped that away, there was still this just annoying doubt in the back of my mind, but that was as much as we had left in them for was spent. Um, and fair enough, like we, we did enough to get them, but I just thought, have we got another performance I like got in the tank? Yeah. And it, and it proved we didn't. Um and it was just it was just a really kind of odd afternoon down there. But what I think I want to talk about as well, it sounds really stupid. I've never felt this before in any kind of playoff campaign or anything like that. But I remember watching the semi-final between Charlton and Doncaster. And I completely forgot, I looked at this um, earlier, that Doncaster actually took the lead in extra time in that game. And now for yeah. some reason, we've just, a bit with Darren Moore as well, but we've kind of um, always had that little bit of hold almost over Doncaster. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In, in in like kind of, we just always seem to beat them. And I just remember when Doncaster took the lead, me and my dad like jumped up and celebrated. Like, and, and then you look back, and think, why it shouldn't matter who we play. But <laughs> I was just, I was just so convinced because we'd got six points off them in the league. We'd battered them a few weeks prior and won two 0 and played like brilliant. That was probably yeah. the last good performance before the playoffs. And you think to yourself like, oh, I absolutely love them. And like, I thought to myself, yeah, we can definitely take these. And then when Charlton kind of turned it around and scored a minute later and won the tie, I just thought, you know what, but we are just not good. This just isn't our year. And then, of course, it's Charlton. We get beat again. It was just an absolutely hideous day. I remember kind of having a little bit of um, PTSD of um, Peter K. Car share after that game. And I'll tell you <laughs> why. Because me and my dad went down on the supporters bus and obviously travelled back on us. And for some reason, they decided there's like light entertainment on like the t- little TVs they have. And me and my dad was sat like right in front, like behind them decide the show like all of the episodes of Peter K. Carshare. Now I'm sure it was perfectly harmless like entertainment. <laughs> That's not what you want. But not what no. you want at that time, is it? <laughs> like literally I'm I'm absolutely sick of my life. I'm still like six hours away from home. And like Peter K's stupid face just running at you. Yeah, just 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 like just dar jokes for days and, and like honestly <laughs> yeah. I just <sighs> 
I, that's I, a great I, memory. That that is that is um, that is special. I, I can't think of. I mean, I thought my my tube back into Central London full of uh, full of Charlton fans was bad, but that sounds a hell of a lot worse. I'm not gonna lie. I've been forced to watch Peter Kay's car share for five hours on a bus. <laughs> oh, honestly, it was just the most like grim experience of my life. I mean, you talk about character building, that was just something else. Like, but no, you're right. Talking about the game, like we, we scored the goal, and then like Ledbetter had a shot, didn't he? About yeah. five minutes late, which it, he did well to he, turn around the really ball. Good save, ironically, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it, it's one of them where if we'd gone turn it up, we were probably you know like in the champ, we would have probably been in the championship with Jack Ross the next season. But honestly, I just that game. Even, I agree with you. I, I just never felt like we had it. And when they equalised, the goal, the goal almost in sort of forced. Well, not he shouldn't have forced us, but it inspired us to just drop back and drop back and drop back, and it, it hampered the performance. I mean, like you say, it was it was doubtful whether we would have pulled out a good performance anyway, given our how we'd been playing going into the game, bar the Pompey one. But um, I think Jack Ross's sort of negative tendencies, um, certainly later on in that season, I think he probably saw. Oh, we've scored and Power's got it gone off injured. Um and, and I think he he naively thought that protecting the lead from five minutes in was the way to go. And, and obviously that definitely wasn't. And it um it was quite obvious at the time, to be honest. And it's one of the sticks that is used rightly or wrongly. Um I, I personally didn't don't hate Jack Ross as much as a lot of other no. fans do, but um I think certainly he got that like majorly wrong in a he massive did. game. He did, and I think with Jack Ross as well, I think he came down to England with like this reputation of playing like really attacking football. And I remember he did the Wise Men Say pod when he hadn't been here long, which I'm sure was a huge honour for him. Um, but um, yeah, he was he, he was he, he was talking on there about how it was it was unusual that his team, um, St. Mirren team, when they got promoted, they like, took a few hammerings during the season because he was that kind of attacking and but I think what happened was when he came down, we had like the Barnsley game where we won four two. Yeah. But we we very nearly chucked away a free goal lead because they absolutely came on strong, and rather than kind of take encouragement from the fact right, but we came through and we won. I think that spooked them. I think you'll see a correlation from that point forward of we would take the leading games and we would just go far too pragmatic. And I think he thought to himself, right, I can't play this attacking because we're not going to get promoted. So I think he thought you had to be more pragmatic going forward, and it just yeah. didn't work. And he, I remember in the press, he he developed this absolute obsession with clean sheets and how many clean sheets you need to get promoted. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I'm sure all managers say stuff like that. But for me, if you get that kind of like driven by, you're never going to achieve them because if, if all you're thinking from a minute you score is right, we must keep a clean sheet. It's just puts players in a negative mindset and you naturally drop 10 yards. And well, I just it's think that cliche. It's, it's that cliche. It's like if you try and draw a game, you'll lose it. If you yeah. ne- never play for a draw. And and I think what you say there is absolutely right. And combine that with obviously the extra levels of pressure. He was under it as the season went on. He'll have definitely felt that more and more. Um, and combined with, like you say, results like the Barnsley one where, where we could have thrown it away but didn't. Probably those two, th- the pressure and, and that type of result combined just meant that as it went on, he... You know, he became more and more bothered about it, and then, but then you look at sort of late season games like the Peterborough one where we went ahead, and then we did drop back, and then they scored right at the end as well. And I know that was in a lot shorter space of time in terms of where the goals went in, but even that, it's sort of that was yeah. a highlight of, of of a similar type of jack because we just seemed to concede a lot of late goals mm-hmm. um, due to dropping back. And, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think I think that shows. I mean, you'd hope to think he'd learn from that. He didn't get much of a chance to show it, obviously, in his second season here and then moved to Hibs and, and, and didn't do pull up any trees there particularly either. So maybe it's just a, a flaw in his managerial uh, repertoire, if you like, as things stand. But 
certainly that playoff game, um, given the relative abilities of the squad in terms of who the players we had in that squad who started that game, I think we we could have definitely expected a lot more than what we saw, sort of an early own goal and then absolutely nothing for the rest of the game. Just one other thing I'd like to mention as well on that game is um, the the when that when their sort of winner went in, the, the gap between the ball hitting the back of the net and then the sound. Um, it, it's obviously a well-known thing when you when you're at the other end and you can see the goal, the gap when the, when the the fans go mad. But that was honestly the most soul-destroying thing I think I've, I've ever seen witnessed in the flesh was when that Patrick Bauer goal hit the back of the net and then there was that delay and then you just heard the chart lend erupt. It was absolutely disgusting and uh, I would never blame anyone for never going to Wembley again just purely if they had to witness that in the flesh I couldn't speak for about half an hour after that goal it was awful I was the same. It was like me and my dogs kind of went on to autopilot for second the ball at the back of the net. There was no discussion. We didn't say it all we're leaving. We literally just looked at each other and just walked out the ground. Yeah. And just and, and I don't know how we found the bus because we just refused to communicate with each other like all the way yeah. through there water and back. There was literally like the, the, the phrase there is nothing to say has never been more apt because there was literally nothing that anyone could say or you could say to anyone that was worth even bothering to try. And then I was gutted that I didn't take any headphones because I was just like listening to just on the way. But you know when you get like the, the bus expert when you... Oh, yeah. On the, <laughs> and and, and always... <laughs> yeah, like the, we had this just like proper like kind of... Get the like, tactics board out. Oh, honestly. But <laughs> his, big, his big kind of grand plan for promotion the next season was get knocked out of all the cups in the first round. And he Great. just like kept, and, and, and he just kept on repeating it loudly for like kind of like hours on end. Like Jesus Christ, I don't know what's worse. He repeated it here or you for like Start hours on a end. Successful season by losing games on purpose, and then presumably oh, presumably on, trying to win, win the league games only. It, it's the fact he said it though with such like authority and confidence, as if like this was some massive if, kind like, of plot. Only an idiot would, would not would not think that he was. I oh, honestly, it was just honestly, I just wanted to. I've never wanted to just get off a bus in my, in my life more than that, but. No, it was just a very depressing kind of soul-destroying day, wasn't it? <laughs> it was indeed. And on that lovely um, depressing note, which would be the last negative thing we will most likely talk about on this podcast, it's very unlike us to discuss anything negative at all, may I add. We're going to take a quick break, so we'll be back after your advert plays. Bye. <laughs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome 
welcome back to the Wiseman Save podcast. Um, we've just been discussing some horrible lows at Wembley in 2019, which we will now uh, remove from everyone's memory by discussing Sunderland's only, and I repeat, only win at Wembley since when was it, Mickey? When was the last time we won at Wembley? 1973. Before, that's it. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, and uh, we finally won that pizza cup we were talking. Which, well, it was the checker trade. It now the pizza cup um, or Papa John's as as it would officially be called. What uh, what are your memories of that day? Um, it's weird because now you look back and the, the club put a, a thing of a goal up earlier on, and you forget how terrible football was behind closed doors, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. just 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 absolutely horrendous. I mean, but at the time we can't kind of be revisionist about it. It was it was a really good day because we had absolutely nothing else going on in our lives. Really, you were going to work, you were coming home, but it was a surreal day. So obviously. We made the best of it, I remember. And it was quite good because I got to watch the game with like my mum and my sister, and like they would normally yeah. like not get the opportunity to go to Wembley because the Sunderland supporters and that, but they just don't like have season tickets and such. So it was one of them where it was good to get to watch it with them. And I remember the night before they had like we had the virtual wise men say live show, which oh, was really that was good. Great. D- Danny it, doing the quiz, wasn't it? That was that was really yeah. I thought I was gonna do really well at that quiz, but I did absolutely terrible. <laughs> I think I I think I'd drunk far too much to do well at the quiz, to be honest. Ask me an excuse anyway. <laughs> so I remember Goldie and Danny Collins giving us a big build up before and I got nowhere near winning it. So anyway, but I remember like that was really good and like having a few beers and I remember like we whacked like a Sunderland flag up in the window and stuff like that. You did everything to try and make it feel authentic and like you know what it had a feel bit... of. You know when people talk about what F- the FA Cup used to be like. You know in the Dars where it was like, oh, back in the uh, day, the FA Cup was you know it was all day event and nobody actually can remember what it was like. I, that's what I imagine that that would be like that that sort of hypothetical FA Cup day where it took over the whole day. I was very similar, you know, sort of woke up on the Sunday thinking, oh. I mean, it's, I mean, like you say, it, it, it sounds sad to talk about it now, but at the time there was literally nothing else, mm-hmm. you know, really going on, was there? So it was a Wembley final and some of them were in it. I planned the whole day around it. Um, yeah, sort of got, you know, getting the beers in, getting the food in. It was, it was great. And I was um, sort of thinking as well that it kind of, in a weird way, obviously not living in the northeast can often feel quite disconnected. But on that day, because I knew that every, like, literally every Sunderland Sort of, sort of Sunderland fan that either I knew or didn't know just looking at social media or whatever was watching it and yeah you know, as I know it just there was just like this really kind of and the fact we were playing League Two Tranmere as well and two to be fair actually didn't play that badly although there was no. obviously we kind of did kind of think we would win um yeah no it was just a really sort of a really nice sort of moment sort of memory of that, of yeah. that period of utter rubbish sort of no, no fan football so that felt um, like weed in itself for as well, didn't it? Just kind of, as you say, like the fact that everyone's like kind of forced to watch this game on TV. But I'll tell you what I thought was like strange as well. Just you, you did activities on cup final day. So I was the same as you, like me and like, I put together like a playlist of like songs yeah. kind of that we've sang chance to or like local Sunderland artists and stuff, um, which was good. And like we had the music going and we started like drinking quite early on, which was good. But I remember like taking the dog for a walk at dinner time. And I'm thinking, Christ, it's three hours before kickoff in a Wembley final. And I'm taking the dog for a walk. It just felt like absolutely bizarre. Yeah, bizarre. yeah, yeah. Uh, like, and, and it really was. And obviously, like the, the dog still got to go out. So, like, I'm absolutely like buzzing when we've won the game. Like two hours after, I'm like taking her for kind of like a stoop around the block, which is about as much as I can manage at the time. Um, <laughs> Staggering but, around, the, the dog's walking you at that point. <laughs> pretty much, mate. I. But um, no, but I tell you what, I remember. Like, it felt so weird going into that game, like being favourites. I've never known Sunderland be at Wembley before and be absolutely overwhelming favourites for the game. Um, but what made it strange as well was you forget how many players we had out. 
um, through yeah. being ineligible, through injury, through suspension. I don't think we we didn't really have like a recognised centre half on the pitch that day, did we? After and then was it? And um, Flanagan went off early, didn't he? He was the yeah. only recognised yeah, centre yeah. half. No, yeah, it was. It was really, really sort of makeshift, and, and especially because the way Tranmere were playing, because they had James Vaughan up front as well, didn't they? That, yeah. In that game, so and obviously for all of his limitations, we do know that he is actually he was actually quite decent in the air and was definitely a threat from set pieces and things. So that was one of my main worries um, during the game was that, that we concede from. From sort of a set piece or or maybe a long ball forward, something like that. But in, in fairness, we did actually defend pretty well, um, despite the fact it was very much a makeshift, a makeshift defence that we had. We did indeed. I mean, we did deserve to win on the day, and that bit of unbelievable quality by McGady, who picked out Goose, and it was a really nice composed finish. Lovely finish, yeah. It was, and but as I say, we can't. Although as I say, it does look a bit grim now. We can't kind of rewrite history and claim that. It was because at the time as well, remember, we were on a great run in the league. We'd beat Portsmouth 2 0 away on the Tuesday, and that was arguably our best performance since Johnson had come in at the time. Yeah. We absolutely dominated that game. Oh, yeah. And, that, I, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and, I, and I think at the time, it contributed to the, to the feel good factor around the club. And obviously, funnily enough, after the Peter Cup final, we beat Accrington again yeah. um, a few days later. Like Ross Stewart made his debut and scored. Ball well, off the bench, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, like let like a salmon. That was the definition of the let like a salmon. That that goal, brilliant. I mean, the, the goalkeeper, the less said about that, the better. But yeah. who cares? He it was a great header. And then on the day, I remember like winning, and it was just an unbelievable buzz. And I remember just going absolute, absolutely mad. And even though it was kind of in the living room, but that was the thing as well. So it was kind of a few hours after the game, like usually you'd either be travelling back or you'd be like out in London or yeah. if you weren't fortunate enough to get a ticket, you'd be getting like mortal in the town. But that was just like, yeah, well, there's only so many cans I can drink in my living room. <laughs> yeah, all... You got that weird <laughs> thing where you're transitioning from like cup winning to, oh, I'm just at home on a Sunday. <laughs> I'm, 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 just, I'm just at home drinking cans in my living room, like listening to, to music. And I'm just like, well, oh, great. I, I guess I'll get a tea. We ain't going to bed now. Like, it just, it, it, I did, I went from cloud nine to kind of like, oh, lockdown's really shit. And there's only so many times <laughs> I can, there's only so many times I can watch for goal back, you know what I mean? And like, it just yeah. felt absolutely weird. Another but, another highlight of that day was definitely the footage that was uh, coming out on on sort of Instagram stories in the dressing room. There was the yes, Howard famous get the fucking tunes on lads, and then there was uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the picture of uh, Callum McFadden, the famous infamous picture of him with his uh, with his holding the trophy with his with his bruised face. He, he actually preferred to have a good game in that game as well. And I remember Dion Sanderson was just like his Instagram was gold on that day, just because he was like live streaming just ridiculous celebrations. There was. Benji Kimpioka dancing, moonwalking and stuff, wasn't he, in the middle of the dressing room? Oh, he was right in the monster, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, it was so I, I- good. I don't even think he played in like any of the games, but he was no, giving it large in the. He was just absolutely loving life, and yeah, it was it was just one of those days where like everyone was just buzzing. And then and and then obviously, um, like you say, it got to sort of six o'clock, seven o'clock on the Sunday night. You're like, ah, oh, this is weird. <laughs> I'm really really <laughs> drunk for a Sunday, and we've just won the cup, but I don't know what to do now because oh so. And you're like, oh, so should we just put uh, put BT Sport on? So yeah, that's probably what I ended up doing, watching some rubbish Italian football and BT Sport after that. But uh, but yeah, I think as a as a as a as a first Wembley win in what at the time was just under fifty years, is my math? Yeah, fifty years. I mean, yeah. Hopefully that did break the curse. Um, well, what kind of puts it into perspective is like it shows you how like mad kind of like time can be. Just think of it as a concept. So yeah. between 1937 and 73, there's 36 years between the two dates. But when you put yeah. when you think thirty like seven and seventy three, 
you think to yourself, oh my God, it's impossible somebody could have been alive for both, but there have been some people who would have gone to both games, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, uh, and, absolutely, yeah. And now, you're, and now you're talking, like, if you if you were 20 in 1973, you know, you were grand now, you're you, you, in your 70s. Like, <laughs> exactly, it's, it's mad, isn't it? And, and, and to think we've gone, and bear in mind in that time period, we played a fair few games at Wembley as well, and yeah. managed to win, like, precisely zero. Is, uh, is 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 pretty mad. Um, one one sort of final thing I wanted to touch on before we before we end is is, is just um, obviously the game is over a week away. But have you sort of got any any early thoughts on on, on what will be coming um, next, next Saturday? I know there'll be other pods that'll cover this in more detail, but I think uh, it's only it's only right that we have a we have a quick little discussion yeah. about about what we think is going to happen. It's just going to be an excruciating week, isn't it? Like yeah. I, like already time seems to be going backwards. Like it's just it's one of them things that obviously you usually you, you reach that certain point of a like kind of adulthood where like football doesn't dominate your mind twenty four hours a day. But I think I'm back in that moment now where like you think I was like a teenager again. Like, honestly, all like all I can think about is a match. And but all the keeps I'm going through in my head is and I think um, like Matthew wrote like a great piece for the site, um, which I'd urge you to go and check out because he's just talking about how like this just feels like finally it's got to be our time. And I think I've yeah. touched on it as well, like Alex Nail with them um, kind of just. To, We've got 10, between the two games, we've got nearly two weeks on the training ground with him, you know what I mean? So I think he'll come up with a game plan which will be absolutely spot on. I think we've got the quality, we've got Broadhead who's going to be raring to go and fit. We've got like the opportunity to give like Corby Evans like a good proper rest because he'll he'll need it and he'll be integral to our team in the final. Um, and I just, I, it literally, it, it's one of them where back in 2019, all the logic and emotion was telling me that we weren't going to win the game. Whereas now, yeah. the, both the logic and the emotion is telling me that finally, this is going to be our time and finally we're going to escape this absolute shithole of a division. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, I think, I think um, what one, one, one caveat I would say is like no game against, I mean, we saw what Wickham did to MK Dons. It's not going to be an easy game. No. Because they are arguably the most frustrating team in the world, especially when you need to score against them. But caveat to that being, like you say, we've now got a manager who, you have actually have real faith. We'll have a plan. We've got time on the training pitch. We've got players coming back. We've got the big Wembley pitch, which I think will suit the way we play more than the way that it will suit how they play. Um, in you know, and I think that it is going to be a long time, a long period of time waiting up. And uh, just to echo as well, I thought Max article summed up sort of the feeling that most people will have, um, whether they went to the game or not, um, about how we feel now, what's happening. Where, Whatever happens, like Alex Neal has done an absolutely incredible job to yeah. get us to this point. I mean, you can you can look at you know people who sort of reference the fact we were third when Johnson was sacked. They're not taking into account the massive difference in how well the teams around us were playing then compared to what happened with the teams around us. That you know moving in, we've had to basically have a near flawless run from when Alex yeah. Neal took over just to get in the playoffs, and the fact that we've then negotiated what is most certainly the, the toughest of the two legs we could have had, which was yeah. against Chef Wed, the only team in better form than us going into the playoffs. And obviously with a, we, the only sort of, in terms of atmosphere and size of club and all that sort of stuff, which does matter. We, we've got through that test as well. So everything is pointing yeah. in the right direction. Um, the only, obviously Wickham are your archetypal pantomime villains who would absolutely love nothing more than to ruin it for us. And Gareth Ainsworth can windmill his hair and do all that sort of stuff on the touchline. But one thing you know is Alex Neal will not even, he won't even care in the slightest, like about anything that Gareth Ainsworth does. Um, and uh, I, I think that matchup I'm looking forward to as well, uh, because 
you know, it's about time somebody put Ainsworth up in his place. I think for, for, I was for numerous gonna, reasons. <laughs> I was going to say like Neil's great at blocking out outside outside noise, so I don't even think it'll raise the dressing room. But yeah. I noticed um, you know, like David Priest, the goalie coach, his um profile now on Twitter reads coach at Netflix club Sunday the FC. Yeah, that was after that bizarre club statement. Yeah, in, yeah. In, in the essay where it's like, yeah, it, it was kind of like almost like. Donald Trump-esque statement from their chairman where he's just like ranting like random rubbish relating to Netflix and attendances. At one point, I'm pretty sure he said that they were going to match us all the way in terms of tickets. So I don't quite know how they're going to do that. Unless, <laughs> loads of, unless they start selling tickets in Newcastle or something. That's the only way I can possibly think that they managed to sell out the rest of their end. But, yeah, it, think, it was yeah. very, it was very Trumpian as well, wasn't it? When he's talking about like kind of like yeah, like we're a world-renowned club and all of a sudden yeah. the other, it's like give our man. So you're, like, li- you're literally not lads. <laughs> like <laughs> like na- like nobody in Wickham supports Wickham. <laughs> they all, yeah, they all support Arsenal or Tottenham, and they just go to Wickham games on the weekends. They're playing away or whatever. But yeah, I think I think that I think that pretty much sums it up. Well, it's it's going to be a tough game, but uh, there'll be a lot more to come from Wise Men say on this game and and on various other things as well. But for now, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, enjoy the build-up of all build-up towards next Saturday, and um, I'm sure you'll be hearing from from our dulcet tones again soon. Goodbye. <laughs>Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.